His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, what a morning. Wow, this is awesome. Whew. Jesus, Jesus, we love you. Um, I wanted, it's, been a, it's been a real privilege having mom and a joy having her this weekend. It's been wonderful. And I just wanted to applaud all the moms in this place that are so fantastic. I, uh, uh, it's amazing how God just kind of coordinates the theme of everything going on. And because uh, I'd been thinking about uh, in First Samuel about Hannah. And uh, her travail, you know, to get Samuel here and stuff. And uh, I thought, before I get started with that, I just wanted to, I I was thinking about, I was just, Mom, I wanted to honor you today because I'm so thankful for all that you put into my life. Uh, I'm not talking about the spankings, I'm talking about the real stuff. Uh, Anyway, be honest with you, your spankings never hurt anyway, but we cried anyway. (laughs) But uh, I was I was just thinking back uh, of, what, of the awesome heritage that I have, spiritual heritage coming. It was through you because Dad did not go to church, and uh, every time Billy Graham had a crusade on, the TV was on, and we were plopped down in front of that watching it. And then I remember a lot of times on Sunday, uh, Oral Roberts would be on, and they would show his healing lines of him sitting in a chair and praying for people to be healed. And that was always on, and we were always watching it. And so I was exposed to the supernatural, even though our church uh, did not, we didn't have anything happening. But And every time the doors were open, we were there, you know, for everything. And you were real involved in church and just... Uh, even though I'm, I felt God pulling me at eight years old, you know, up front, uh, and didn't understand what was going on. And, but it wasn't until 16 that I met Jesus, but you're, you've always been open to whatever God was doing, even though we weren't experiencing that when the Holy, when the Jesus movement came, you were wide open to that. When the baptism, Holy charismatic movement happened, you were wide open to that and embraced that. And I mean, I never knew growing up in our home any resistance of, well, now we don't believe in that at our church, and that's not of God, which I saw others had. There was always like just arms wide open. And I believe that's why I always felt loved at home. And I know you lied to me about that I was the most handsome kid in school. And in the sixth grade, some girls told me that was not true. (laughs) I forgive you for that. I said, no, my mom would not lie to me. (laughs) But anyway, you know, it's amazing, though. I thought back because of your love for me, your uh, instilling um, just the security there. I was born and I had that birth defect thing where, uh, if you see my younger pictures, I had like a big strawberry on my head that they had to do radiation on to get it to stop, start out like a little pimple. And I mean, it's prominent. <laughs> and here I am going to school thinking I'm the best looking kid in school. 
It's because of my mom. <laughs> anyway, uh, I just wanted to honor you for that, putting all that into me, and uh, just always have it. And, you know, uh, your mom and dad, my grandma and grandpa, they were always wide open to whatever God was doing. We just didn't know at that time. And when the charismatic movement happened, they embraced that. It was, I mean, we went to the Brethren Church. It was like one step up from, I think, Mennonite, wasn't it? Something like that. I don't know, but they wore these little bonnet things in church when I was a kid. Anyway, I wanted to honor you for that. I, I realize I'm thankful for the heritage. And what I want, every one of us, you know, Teresa talked on that, that you've got somebody who was praying in your family line somewhere for you to come to the Lord, for the generation somewhere to come to the Lord. And I, I just am so thankful for that. I want to honor the moms for doing it. Because usually the moms that do that, the dads are like, he'll learn, you know. You know, now, it's not true these days. We're interceding. But I'm telling you, there's something different about a mom's heart that goes after heart issues in their kids when they're young. And I'm thankful for that, you know. Okay, so if you got your Bibles, you can open up 1 Samuel. Uh, we're going to read about Hannah. Now, there was a certain man. Well, let's go down to... You guys know the story about Elkanah and Hannah. They're they're going up to worship yearly. Elkanah had two wives, Penina. I don't know why would you marry a girl named Penina, but he did. Uh, Hannah is a lot better name, wouldn't you agree? That's right. I, yes. Hannah didn't have any kids. Penina's being blessed with kids all over the place, and she begins to harass uh, Hannah. Hannah, when they go up to worship, uh, starting verse 5, he, uh, he gave her a double portion. It says that Hannah, he'd give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was that year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And not eat. Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah rose after they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. And prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. I want to stop right there and just mention, sometimes, you know, back in that culture, if you did not have kids, it was a sign of God's curse on you. And sometimes, though, God has a bigger purpose than what our desires are. You know, he was, he was using this. God had, when you, we've got the advantage of looking at scripture and go, wow, God wanted a Samuel because he was changing things in Israel. At this time, there was a shift that God was bringing and he needed a Samuel there to begin to do that with. And he needed a mom that was going to partner with him. And he saw Hannah's heart. I believe he saw Hannah's heart that she wasn't going to just go, eh, no kids. Oh, well, you know, my husband's really good to me, takes really good care of me. So I, I guess it's just it, you know, and 
she began to get, she began to feel that bitterness, that rejection, that being made fun of. And I, you know what, there's things like that, that motivate us to go beyond our own desires. There began to be a thing crying out in her of like, God, why have you closed my womb? I believe she loved him. I believe that, that she, instead of taking that bitterness and getting bound in self-pity, woe is me, and I'm never going to get out of this, she took it and turned it to the Lord. And I believe that's a key for us, that when you get things that aren't going your way, you know, we sing about that mountain being moved, but when you get things that are just, God, this is bitter to me. We've done everything we know how to do, and it's just not turning out the way I want it to, that you take that sorrow, you take that hurt, you take that disappointment, and you turn it to the Lord in intercession, and you begin to say, God, I believe you can bring purposes out of this thing, and I don't understand this at all, and it's not my desire, and life's not real pleasant right now, but I believe you can move mountains. I believe you can change things, and I believe Hannah did that, and I think it pleased God. I think it delighted his heart, and it caught his eye that he had someone that had his interests in mind. And so Hannah's beginning to intercede, and it was so corrupt back then that Eli is watching her lips move while she's crying out in anguish to the Lord, the priest, and he accuses her of being drunk. And I think, Teresa mentioned this as we were talking, she said, I think it's because women used to be drunk coming in there. When you read about all the garbage that was going on with Eli's sons in the tabernacle, there had to be drinking involved. You know, and so Eli just thought it's another one of those women. And instead, it was a righteous, holy woman crying out her anguish before the Lord. And so when she said, no, 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 I'm crying. I'm just, I'm, I'm in bitter heart. I've got a bitter heart. I'm, I'm crying out in anguish before the Lord. And so he turned around and he said, then may the Lord grant you your petition. And it says that she went away. Verse 18, she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. She got a confirmation somehow that the Lord had heard her petition. It had been heard. It had been answered. Intercession was over. There's that peace that comes. Let the bitterness, let the disappointment, and let just whatever pain in your heart drive you to the Lord till you get an answer that is peaceful, that is like, he has heard me. Then it's time to stand in faith like, God, you heard. And I'm going to see it. I don't know when, but I'm going to see it. And I expect it now. But I'm going I'm to see it. I love uh, Dudley Hall. He talked one time down at Morningstar. And he was talking about a son that was prodigal. And he said, you know, and his son came back to the Lord. But his prayer always was, and this stuck with me, he said, Lord, I, get a hold of my son and bring him back to you today. If not today, tomorrow. And I thought, I like that. It's not giving God years. <laughs> it's like today. If not today, tomorrow. You know, it's an expectation, which is what uh, was, was talked about Wednesday. So Hannah gets that. So 
They go back home, and you know the story. She ends up conceiving a son because she, she was so desperate. This is how desperate she was. If you give me a son, she wanted a girl at that point. She wanted a son. I'll lend him to the Lord all his days. You know how deeply a woman has, to, a mother has to feel to say, if you'll give me him, I'll give him back to you. Not knowing she's going to get any more. That was desperation. God was in the desperation moving her to pray. God was in the, the bitterness and that disappointment to get her say, even if I don't get to hold him in my arms and watch him grow up, I'll give him to you if you'll just give me a child. And he did. And then she has five more after that. And I thought, because God always gives our answers above and beyond what our expectations are. He gives you more than you ask for. He really does. I, want, I, I wanted to share that because that had been on my heart earlier in the week because I thought, man, all the moms that have all the tears and all the prayers that have been prayed in secret over their kids of walking with the Lord, knowing the Lord, God's purposes to come about on the earth. And, just, and then once they start, you start praying for your grandkids and just for God to move. God keeps all those tears in his bottle. He's not forgotten it, and he, and he answers more. His answers are more abundant than what you are actually praying for. Much more. I was thinking about that scripture in Isaiah that talks about, Lord, where have all these kids come from? That you, I mean, I've lost some. I lost my kids. Where, where have all these come from? Because God has abundance for his kids. And if there's lack and if there's tightness, it's because he's wanting intercession out of you for something, for his purposes to come forth. I don't know. I, you know, if, if I'm not in pain, I don't pray. I pray. But pain anoints it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Okay. The uh, next one I wanted to look at, so I, I mean, Hannah was blessed. I mean, I'm thinking, this is a side note. But you know, I'm, the first king that picked is over Israel, Saul. And I thought, God, you knew, I know why he picked Saul. Saul couldn't find the donkeys. His donkeys are missing for three days, and so his dad says, go see if you can find the donkeys. Saul never finds them. God goes, here's a guy that will never find David. <laughs> he couldn't find David if he was under his nose. I think I'll have him be the first king. And I thought, God, you knew all that. Okay, think about it. He's in the cave. David's in the cave. Saul doesn't know it. It's just amazing. God has a plan. Bigger than ours. In 2 uh, Samuel uh, 12.24, well, in, in the 12th chapter, you talk, well, 11 and 12, it's when David sins with Bathsheba. It's like, wow, bad situation, David. Should have been stoned, killed, and all that. God redeems it because David repents. Um, I think it's a classic 
repentance that David does because he doesn't blame anybody. He takes responsibility. But here's what I wanted to point out. Here's Bathsheba. She loses her first child because it was a child of sin. You know, God says it's not going to, child's not going to live. But God gives her a second one. After all the repentance, after the redemption comes, God gives her a second one, and it's Solomon. I mean, who in this, on this planet doesn't know Solomon and the wisdom that he gets? What redemption for her? And it says that the Lord loved him. The Lord loved him. And the thing I love about this, you don't know a lot about Bathsheba. It's all about David through all the, you know, Old Testament and stuff. Until you come to Proverbs 31. In Proverbs 31, it's the words of King Lemuel's mother. Lemuel was a pseudonym for Solomon. Bathsheba wrote chapter 31. And I thought, this gives you more insight into her of who she was than anything else. Want redemption. So I love this. And it's typical Jewish. Well, it ought to be. But it's typical Jewish. I love this because it reminds me of Billy Crystal. And I'll tell you why. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. Verse 2. What, my son? What, my son of my womb? What, son of my vows? Doesn't that sound Jewish? You ever see Billy Crystal do that in Prince's Bride? What are you talking about? You know, it's like, I read that and it's like, I just see him. <laughs> it's like, no, it's Bathsheba. <laughs> this is cool, though. Look at the wisdom that has come out of this mom instructing her son. It's not, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. It's not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open your mouth. Now, he's king at this point when she's writing this. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. And then she goes into who can find a virtuous wife. And she writes all those verses about what... Uh, what really makes an awesome wife. I'm amazed that out of her beginning, which was losing her husband, you know, in that affair with David, and there had to be humiliation. I mean, David, the whole nation knew about it. The whole nation knew about it, and the whole nation knew who he had sinned with. And out of that humiliation, she gets a son that's Solomon, and ends up with the throne, ends up with the most blessed kingdom time, economic time that Israel had ever known, and she gets all this wisdom to share with him when he comes to the throne. 
I'm amazed at the redemption that God is able to come about with. You know what? To me, there's, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've failed in. God is, is, a, is amazing at redeeming and boom, putting back on track his plan for your life all along. And even using the failures that you've had to build and anoint what he's calling you to do in the future. That is amazing to me. There's nobody like the Lord that can do that. There's awesome women in the Bible that have had stories like this. But I want to tell you something. You guys, these, you moms in here and you grandmothers in here and great-grandmothers and great-grandmothers, and I don't know if we go past that or not, but you guys are awesome. You're the most godly women I know on the face of the earth. You guys have persevered. You've cried out for your kids. You've got the fruit of what your prayers have been with you. Godly kids. I was so blessed yesterday. Teresa and I have been so blessed by the kids in this church. You know, the, the love, the respect, the honor, we're blown away by it. And it's because of you moms and dads. But I just, I'm, I'm blown away by the quality and just how awesome you women are in here and what you've done. And you know what? And if you've been single and you don't have any kids, you still are awesome because you've got spiritual kids that you've poured into and that you've birthed. And it's, and it's wonderful. Anyway, I just wanted to bless you. The, uh, there was another lady I wanted to look at, and it, was, I don't, it doesn't mention her kids, but I think she had spiritual kids. Acts 9.36, and it's about Dorcas. And Dorcas was a lady that you don't know anything about. I mean, everybody can go, oh, wow, Bathsheba, you had a Solomon, you know, Oh, wow, Ruth, you know, you married Boaz. You ended up having, you know, your great grand, your grandson was David, you know, and it's just like uh, you can have kids that get famous and make a name for themselves and make you look good. But I think in God's eyes, he loves the mamas that are faithful doing what he's called them to do that nobody knows about. And I think heaven is going to celebrate those even more. Because sometimes it's like the most important work that's ever done, nobody ever knows about or ever sees, but God sees. And I believe the rewards will be great in heaven. Dorcas um, was a lady who was just, we don't know anything about her except she made a lot of stuff. And took care of people, and she was a servant, and just so she dies, and everybody's sad, and so they Peter's in the next town over at Joppa, and so they send somebody over and say, "Hey, come quickly! You know, uh, Dorcas has died." And I don't know if he knew who Dorcas was or not, but when he shows up, everybody's showing them the blankets, the quilts, the coats, the everything that she she made this for me. She made this for me. She I had this need, and she took care of me in this. 
And so she had all of this type of stuff. So he said, basically, we really need her. <laughs> we love her. We miss her. We're weeping. We're crying because she was so dear to us. She loved all of us so much. And so Peter prays for her, raises her up, and she's raised back to life. And that's about it. And you're like, that event got in Scripture. One, raised from the dead. But I believe it was a real witness to who she was by all of those people having the items that she made for them and being so distressed that she was gone. I think there was probably spiritual children of hers that sent to Peter and said, hey, we need you. You know, we need your shadow. <laughs> Could you just walk by the room? Anyway, I thought that was just there's and Dorcas when she was doing that stuff think about this she wasn't doing it to get in the Bible <laughs> she wasn't doing it to make headlines she wasn't doing it so that I hope people praise me and appreciate all this sewing I'm doing she wasn't like that she saw a need and she just quietly met it I love that I think that speaks volumes in the kingdom and kids if you learn anything being having humility and serving just speaks volumes speaks volumes to your parents i know it's like holy cow did you see what they did you know what i've been blown away i i've got to watch when i leave town now i cannot leave without trent's kids and and, and hannah's and brock and leanne's kids showing up mowing my yard if I go into town to get gas for my lawnmower, I come back and they're all over the hill like ants. <laughs> I mean, there's like four mowers out there, three weed eaters, you know, and it's just like, I, I was just going to get gas for my mower. Oh, we got it. <laughs> I'm, I can't tell you how thankful I am for that, though, and just blessed. They just, I'm just, I don't know if they watch out the window and say, he's gone. Load up the mowers. Let's go. They're so sweet. Second Timothy one five. This would be my last scripture. I'm not ripping pages out of my Bible. It's these post-it note things. Although it is coming out. Paul's writing to Timothy, and encouraging him, and. Uh, Oh, he's wanting to see him, and he remembers his tears. In verse 5, this is cool. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I'm convinced, I'm persuaded it's in you also. So stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And I thought, Wow, what a heritage Timothy had. First, his grandmother had the faith. Then his mother, and they've passed it on to Timothy. That's legacy. That's legacy. That's releasing a culture into someone. You know, and Paul, and here he was. His father was a Greek. So what encouragement for those of you who might be having an, well, not in here mostly, but an unbelieving mate. 
It doesn't stop God from inputting his purposes into your kids. Doesn't, doesn't stop it at all. My dad was not a believer. I mean, I remember one time, I, he always had the Sunday paper out, you know, as, as we were heading out the door to church, dressed up like little kids out of Wall Street. I mean, a little, little hat. They're popular now. I see you guys wearing them, but they weren't popular back when I wore them. And we had little suits. Yeah. It's amazing I still go of God after this, dude. But, but we, uh, <laughs> anyway, we, uh, uh, my dad would always be reading the Sunday paper, you know, and I was like, I remember one time I said, I'd like to stay home with dad because I wanted to read the funnies, you know. Whew, that was not a choice. Get in the car. <laughs> and my dad would kind of hide behind the paper as we were going out the door. <laughs> but you know what? Dad did come to the Lord later. And, uh, but it never, it never phased mom of getting us when the doors were open at the church. It never, and you know what? As parents, it should never phase you. If you've got a mate that's not agreeing with you, there was never, you know, you don't, you go for the Lord and you go for putting the Lord into your kids' lives and you go for the Lord putting in your grandkids' lives and you seek his purposes no matter what. Anyway, I love that with Timothy that he had legacy of his grandmother, then his mother, and Paul. And, and wow. And I bet when Eunice was following Jesus, and I bet when, when um, Lois, you know, was following, they didn't know they were going to end up being mentioned in Scripture. But for all eternity, that gets mentioned, that they had faith and that they'd passed it on to the next generation. I love that psalm that says, one generation will speak to the, another generation your works and declare your goodness. And that's what God is, God loves that. God loves that, that you declare it to the next generation. So, how are we doing on time? Ooh, dance. Okay. I, uh, I wanted to, I want you guys to stand up. I want to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for the mothers that you've given each one of us that have been faithful to your purposes in their generation. And God, that we have received the benefit of their prayers. We've received the benefit of their input and training. God, it doesn't matter if the training was perfect and it doesn't matter if God, they did the best that they had to work with, which was us. <laughs> and God, they, they, you were faithful to get a hold of it. Say you took the little that they did and you put it and got a hold of the next generation. I want to thank you for their faithfulness, God. Lord, I ask that today on Mother's Day that you would wrap your presence around them and that they would feel so loved, honored, and appreciated. Appreciated. Lord, I pray for if there's anybody here that's struggling with 
Lord, we talked earlier about bitterness and, and just things not going the way I want them to go. God, that I want to pray this morning, God, it'd be an easy transition to turn that into intercession. And they begin to see your purpose and your plan that you begin to see, Lord, their, their eyes be turned to you. <coughs> Excuse me. And Lord, that they would begin to get that sense Lord, that just that, that Hannah did, that, that you've been, they've been heard, that you've got the answer, and God, to begin to thank you and to begin to stand, God, in your purposes coming about in those situations. And Lord, we also want to lift up once again, God, prodigals that, uh, Lord, today, that you speak to them today, right now, God, that they have uh, thoughts come into their minds that they didn't, it's like, Lord, just like the prodigal in scripture that woke up in the pig pen and said, what am I doing here? God, I pray that they would have a, what am I doing here moment and that you would grant them repentance in their hearts. God, to turn back to you. First of all, you're the restorer of relationships. You're the restorer of ruined lives and you're the one that brings those prodigals back home. And so, God, we release our prayers for every prodigal that's represented in this room today, God, that today they have their what am I doing here moment. And, Lord, that you begin to bring glory and honor to your name because, God, some of these seem like totally impossible situations. And the parents have prayed and cried. And, God, you said, I've heard your prayers. I've heard your prayers, and I'm in the middle of moving. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your great love that breaks the grip of sin. So we sing, you're amazing. You're amazing. God, bless the families here. Bless them with your presence. Bless them with your great love in greater abundance. And thank you for pouring out on us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. 